0: Don't you love that? Yeah. Yeah, that was good. That was good. That was good. Well, what we're going to be doing over the next couple of weeks leading up to 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 our Christmas Eve services is, is I'm going to look at some of the most popular Christmas songs that we hear uh, during this time of the year and, and and kind of break them down to see what they really mean. How many you know when you, you listen to something over and over again, you just sing it, but you, you, you sing it in your head, but you don't really... You're not soaking it into your heart and what it really means, and that's what I want to do. I want to look at some of these songs and and what does it mean? Because because I believe um, my, my desire for for, for for the Christmas season is that we wouldn't let things just go by, and I, I think we can get caught up in the nostalgia of of Christmas, and then and then after you know December 25th passes by, we kind of go back into you know our same old same old, and and I believe that this literally was the night of Christ's birth literally changed the world. And and I want to look at that how how does this change how did it change the world and how does it how can it literally change my world? And so what makes the the, the birth of of Christ so special and and so unique and and that's what I love about the carols this time of the year because they speak of this uniqueness of of this night and and of course um, all of us have some of our favorite carols. Um, this one happens to be one of my favorite. Can can I have it all in favor for that one? That's a, that's a pretty good one. They're pretty good. All of them are pretty good, but that, one, that one's pretty good. And, and when I hear, sp- specifically this song played, this carol played, and, and they get to the part where it says... Fall on your knees, or hear the angel voices. I lose it. I don't care if I'm in tops or Wegmans. I'm crying. I'm losing it. And I'm singing it, and I don't care what people think. Um, it, it, but let me give you some background to this this very song. It's very interesting background to this song. This song was written in the mid-1800s in France by a man named Placide Capot. And this man was kind of interesting that wrote this very song. He was a business o- owner, and he loved... Um, poetry, but he really wasn't a churchgoer. In fact, he was a bit of a partier. He was kind of a party guy, and um, not really a follower of Christ. And it most likely shocked Placide when a parish priest asked him to write a poem for the Christmas service. So he's never, you know, regardless of his background, he was honored to do it. So he agreed, and and using the gospel of luke as his guide he imagined to himself what it would have been like and how he would have reacted to that night so he placed himself in that very situation on that night and so he liked what he had written so much that he wanted to put it to music so he got a friend of his an accomplished jewish composer to put it to music and so what you have here is you have a partier And you have a Jewish composer writing this song about Jesus. What? Right? And so kind of interesting the way this song started. So at first, this song completely took off. And everybody in France was singing it until they found out who wrote it. And they put the kibosh on it. But by this time, the song had caught so much sting that it was too popular. And they just couldn't silence it. Now, there's another interesting fact about this very song, O Holy Night, is that on Christmas Eve 1906, there was a gentleman named Reginald Fossenden who was a chief chemist for Thomas Edison. And, and this guy, he liked to tinker around with things, and he did something that many people thought was was just too impossible. And using a new type of generator he concocted this thing in his garage. And what he did was, speaking through a microphone for the first time in history, was able to broadcast over the airways in AM. And so what he did was, he read Luke chapter 2, and then he took his violin, and for the very first song ever played over the AM airways, he broadcasted what song? No, no, I'm just here. yeah, <laughs> he did. He broadcasted, "O oh, holy night. And for the very few who heard it, like on ships or in offices, it was like a miracle to them. And now you know the rest of the story, right? So it's amazing, amazing, amazing history of this very song. What I want to do is I want to read for you this very thing that Placide got his inspiration from, Luke chapter two so if you 've got your Bibles or look at the screen, I want to look at the birth of Christ and and look at it we 're going to look at it through the eyes of the shepherds and what happened that day and what was proclaimed that day so i 'm going to look at the first uh, twenty verses, Luke chapter two, this is the birth of Christ. And it says in those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree, a census that would be taken into the entire Roman world. This was the first census took. While well, Quirinius was governor of Syria and everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth to Galilee, to, to, to Judea and Bethlehem and the town of David because he belonged to the house in the line of David. So he went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him. And was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in cloth and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were shepherds living in fields nearby, keeping watch over their flock. At night, an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find the baby wrapped in cloth, lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, to whom... Uh, to, to men to, on whom his favor rests. Then the angel left them and, and, and had gone into heaven. And the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby that was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told to them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherd said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Lord, I just pray that you would speak to our hearts on what this message is, on what this wonderful, glorious message is. God, let it it change us like it did the shepherds. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you that, God, you did not... Stay in heaven, that you came right to where we were, to reach us right where we are at. For that, we are so thankful. So teach us today what it means to have the Savior, not only to know about him, but to know him in our hearts and lives. In Jesus' name, we ask these things. And everybody said, amen. So I, I want to look at this in a in a closer way, because I can't even imagine what that night was like in and, and, and the struggle that Mary and Joseph had to endure, uh, f- for the birth of, of Jesus. And, and the manger scene, I think sometimes we look at a manger scene and it doesn't depict the struggle because many of the manger scenes we have, you know, Jesus has a halo and there are cows that are lowing. I don't have any idea what that means, but they were lowing. And, um, it didn't smell, you know, very sanitized manger scenes. But, but in reality, what you have here is you have a teenage girl traveling from Nazareth to Bethlehem. It could have been close to 100 miles. Um, we don't know if, if she was traveling by donkey or not. Uh, the scriptures do not tell us. Um, but, but that was, that, that, the, let, let's admit, that was a long way to go. For, for for someone that is that is pregnant, I was thinking back through our pregnancies with our family and our oldest son, uh, born to Kathleen and I. I was thinking about that that day in January, nineteen ninety seven. We went by uh, a nineteen ninety four red Escort wagon. That's what we had. First birth of Colby, and four cylinder baby. That 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 car was. The minute we bought that car, everybody knew, you're going to have a family, aren't you? Because you got a station wagon. So right there, I totally handed in my man card, and that was the end of days. And since then, after that, we got minivans and the rest of the story, right? Um, And and I can remember that day, um, you know, the the epidural didn't work for Colby, um, and so he's been irritating us ever since. Um, I think if we had to walk to the hospital, Kathleen would have killed me first. Um, so the, the reality of, of this day is, is not what we may think it is, or the sanitized version of we think of the birth of Christ. Um, uh, Jesus, most likely, was probably born in a cave. We know that he was placed in a feeding trough. That's what a manger is. And, and the reality of the birth of, of, of Christ that we see and the hardships that they endured... Yet out of this horrible circumstance came something unbelievable. And I think this is what we can grasp in our heart today. I want you to look at the, dich- the dichotomy here. You have these deplorable situations, but yet out of this, out of this deplorable situation and these hardships came incredible hope. That's what we need to hear today in our day and age that there is hope. That there's no reason for us to be hopeless when we hear this news. This news that was given to us was of glad tidings. It was good news. It was something to rejoice in. Even in the midst of difficult hardships, there was a hope here that God desired to give them. And I believe that can relate to every single one of us here today. Yesterday we went to the george eastman house now i 've lived in roster most of my life besides us traveling and living other places in the ministry but i 've never been to the george Eastman house beautiful place, beautiful house and uh, so we went there with the family and um, it was really nice and we went through the house and just a, just a gorgeous house but, but the sad part of the house is there 's this one room where it just showed how George Eastman died, and we know that he took. His own life, and they had his note in there of how he gave, how he took his own life, and and I thought to myself, he was like seventy seven years old, I think. And as I was reading that, it really kind of broke my heart, because when I was reading that, it it, it the, you you live your whole life, you've you've done these incredible things. Many of you've worked at Eastman Kodak, um, great for the Rochester community, the things that he's done, and. The world through picture taking has been changed. Literally, it's been changed. It all started in the late eighteen hundreds, and now you can take out your phone and you can take pictures. And you are walking around the Eastman House, and everybody's got their phones out, and everybody's got it's so easy now. It's incredible. But yet, there were, as I read the note, there was what gripped my heart, and it's just in a back room of, of this little case that you read it. it, it there is a sense of of hopelessness. Like I've done everything I've done and now there's nothing more to do and so why live any longer? You know, there's a sense of hopelessness and I believe our world today needs to hear this message of hope. That it's not found in a gift. It's not found in wealth. It's not found in a mansion. It can only be found through this life of Jesus Christ, who's come into our messiness, into our hopelessness. and says, I want to bring you joy that you will never experience anywhere else. And that joy and that message of hope literally changed the life of the shepherds on that day 2000 years ago. And there's a there's a, a part in this song that I love. It said this in this song, it says a thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. I believe that. I believe when he wrote this, captured something in the heart of the world that maybe he didn't even know what he was writing. But I believe this touches our world today. A thrill of hope for a weary world rejoices for yonder breaks this new and glorious morning. And I would say we live in a weary world today. We're tired. We're stressed out struggling marriages. We're just not happy. And we think the things will make us feel better, but they don't. And what does the songwriter said? He says, a thrill of hope for the weary world rejoices. And, and I want us to see what God sees. And, and I want you to see what we can take away from Luke chapter two. And so what can we learn? What can we learn from the birth of this baby who, who basically has not given us any words yet? It's this message of saying through God's incarnate being who comes to earth is going to give us this message that we need to hear in our lives. So the, what can we learn from the birth of Christ? First of all, I want you to see something here. That out of the most deplorable situation came hope. Now, the angel of the Lord told the shepherds, listen, I have good news. And, and I bet these shepherds were also weary Um, They didn't have the best jobs in the world. In fact, to be a shepherd was actually the bottom of the barrel. And so God chose to come to them to share this wonderful message. And and so God chooses to come at night in the midst of darkness to speak these words of of hope. And and, um, I don't have this scripture up on the screen, but I was studying this morning and this verse just jumped out at me. From Micah 7, seven. So just if you're taking notes. Just write Micah 7, seven down. Because Micah. A prophet speaking some 700 years before Jesus came. Said this. And I love this. He says for him. As he's seen the backslidden state of, of Israel. And a lot of hopelessness around him. He says this. In the midst of all that. And all that despair. He says this. But as for me. I watch in hope for the lord i wait for god my savior my god will hear me there was something that micah knew there was this hope what gave him hope in in the midst of these deplorable situations he knew that his god would answer him and he was going to wait no matter how long it took he was going to wait for his god and so what god does in the midst of this darkness He brings hope. And this is our hope that we can say this. How can any good come from this God? And God says, watch me. Watch what I can do. See, what does the major scene speak to me? Not the sanitized version where everything is neat and tidy and everyone's in their right places. But from the outside, the birth of Christ seems so hopeless. You have this teenage couple that have to travel all this way. There's no room for them uh, to, to stay anywhere. And they have to just go wherever they can find a spot to give the birth. It just seems such a hopeless situation. They're far away from home. The only place they could go was most likely a cave. It's just a messy situation. Mary is young and she's in pain from childbirth. Dirty surroundings. No place to put Jesus in but a feeding trough. You see, I want you to see something here. That's our lives. That's exactly what our lives are like. They're messy. And as much as we try to make them look good to everyone else, it's just messy. And every single one of us in this room is messy. We're messy. We just are. We have messy pasts. We've done messy things. We're just, we're messy and we try to tidy ourselves up. You know, I, I call it the, the, the Febreze syndrome, right? You got something that said, just, you know, stain or somebody throw, just spray Febreze on it. So basically you're just covering the stink, right? It, 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 doesn't, it doesn't sanitize, it doesn't really clean, it just kind of covers it. So like, <laughs> I just thought of this. But football season, when my boys, especially my both my boys played football, they have their pads. They'll, for those parents that your kids played football, you know what I'm talking about. Those things stink. And so when they're away game and you've got to put their pads in the car, the whole car smells like stinky sweat, Right? And so what I do is I have a can of Lysol in the back of our van. And when they get in and they take their pads off, I said, hold on. Let me spray you down. Right? And spray the pads down. And then I put blankets over the pads. Because one time I had to bring them back from from football practice in August. And I was like a dog with my head out the window. (laughs) Right, because it just stunk so bad. Right, it doesn't. You, you got to clean it. Right, it doesn't. You, you, you can you can cover it, but it's not truly clean. And I think I think this is the way we we tend to treat our lives. We try to febreze our lives, right? And it doesn't work. It doesn't work. We, we need cleansing. And this is the good word. This is the word that God says. Listen, our lives are messy. That's why I think the manger scene is the way that it is. It is what it is. Let's just, let's just, let's just say what it is. It's messy. It's not perfect. It wasn't in a palace. There's no servants around. So let's just look at our lives. Can we just be honest with ourselves this morning? Can we do that? Can we just say my life is what it is and it's not perfect? It's not. And so Jesus comes into our imperfection and all our messiness and all our screw-ups, and he says, let me give you hope. Because you're not going to find it in a bottle of Febreze. You're not going to find it there. Don't cover it. Don't cover it. Don't cover it. So we're all dysfunctional in some way. We all have secrets that we're not proud of. God comes down into our mess. He comes into our dysfunction and brings us His Son. He, he brings us His Son to rescue us, not condemn us. He brings us this good news. He brings His Son to save us out of our messiness, out of our sin, to give us new life, to give us a hope. So He comes right into our darkness and brings us into His light. Into His light. That's why I love First Peter two nine because this describes. A follower of Jesus. I love this. He says, but you are not like that. Just speaking of their old life. But you are chosen people. You You are royal priests. A holy nation. God's very own possession. As a result of who you are now in Christ and what he's done for you, as a result, you can show others what? The goodness of God. For he called you out of what? Darkness. He calls you out of darkness into what? To his wonderful life. That's exactly what happened on the day of the birth of Christ. He called the shepherds who were in darkness out of their darkness, into the light, into the presence of this very Savior. So this hope that he gives us through this announcement, I want you to see that it causes us not to give up. When I have this hope, I will not give up. It causes us not to give up. So what did the shepherds do when they heard that news? They said, oh, that's nice, but we'll just stay here and continually to watch our flock. It's not for us. We'll stay in the darkness. You know, they could have easily allowed their circumstances to keep them there. You see, maybe, maybe they thought, "Well, is this, is this truly real? Is this really what happened? Maybe, guys, are we sure? Are we hallucinating here? Could have been the pepperoni pizza we ate last night? You know, it's at night, you know, things, you know, maybe it was just a dream. They didn't allow their circumstances to hold them captive. And what they did is through this hope and through this message, they went and they checked it out for themselves. I believe the distance between heaven and hell and us missing heaven is about 18 inches. See, we know, but we never check it out. We never really allow Christ. To, we know about it, but we just like, we're just content to stay in our lives in the way it is about knowing about it, but not really knowing him and allowing Jesus in the hope of who he is to change our lives. So what did they do? Well, they didn't want to miss seeing the savior of this news. And so this encounter literally changed their lives. They didn't, they didn't stop with the news, right? They didn't stop with the news. They experienced it for themselves. And so what they did was they put their hope in this wonderful news. Now, this summer, usually every summer we go to the Adirondacks. And this summer, I wanted the whole family to go hiking. So I said, okay, guys, we go up the Adirondacks, but we don't hike a lot together as a whole family. So we're going we're to go on the six-mile hike up this mountain. And it was like 90 degrees that day. So they're all like, okay, and I'm getting everybody pumped up. I go, this is going to be great, right? It's going to be wonderful. So we went hiking, and we get ready to go, and we're getting in the woods, and the deer flies were just relentless, they're flying in Lily's head. Colby's got his shirt off. It's like a turban around his head to keep the flies off. And um, every you know, five minutes into it, they're complaining. I'm thirsty. Now all my kids are older at this point. Okay, these aren't five-year-olds. These are all teenagers, right? And why, man, how much longer? And I said, you know, so I, I, I'm the like positive guy because I, I orchestrated this whole fiasco. So I'm like, I orchestrated this. And so I'm trying to lead the troops, you know, and and I'm saying, we're almost there. And they're saying, you said that an hour ago, right? We're almost there. I remember this spot in the trail. The view at the top is incredible. I'll pay you 20 bucks each if you stop talking, right? All, you know, bribery always works. And so finally we get we get to the top and and everybody's happy because we did it, right? But man, the trip there was miserable, right? Some of you can relate. You know what I'm talking about, right? And we get and then they're all taking pictures and they're posting on Instagram. Look what I, and I said, yeah, if you only knew what I had to endure for an hour to get up to the top, right? All your complaining and everything else. You see, here's the thing I want you to realize. Life is exactly like that at times. It's not fun at times. Sometimes there's always something there to bother us. And there's some of you that are here today that you're just stuck in that dark place. You're just stuck in that dark place. You feel overwhelmed, maybe to the point you don't want to go on. And and I want you to understand something here. Jesus actually wants to come right into your darkness and lead you out. He, He wants to come right there. to come right there in the midst of your heaviness and confusion. Listen, let's be honest. Christmas for many is not the most wonderful time of the year. In fact, for a lot of us, Christmas brings up memories or or, or something that's not so happy and it's a difficult time of the year for for many. Let's be honest. But here's what I believe about hope if we understand the message of Christmas and the reality of Christmas is this. Hope will move you forward no matter what your circumstances may be. Hope will always move you forward no matter what circumstances you may be in. Hebrews 10.23 says, Let us hold tightly without wavering uh, wavering to the hope we affirm for God can be trusted to keep what? His promises. God is faithful to keep his promises. And here's what I want to do as we we get ready to take communion today and the hope that comes from communion. I want to encourage you with with some of God's promises. See, here's what hope is. Hope is not wishful thinking. Hope is not saying, oh, well, I I hope this happens, or "I, I hope this turns out well. You see, hope is this. Hope is this blessed assurance that Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchased of God, born of his spirit, washed in his blood. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior. All the day long. What a great hymn that Fanny Crosby wrote many, many years ago, right? Blessed assurance. No matter what I'm going through, I've got this assurance that this hope, that no matter what darkness I may be in or no matter what circumstances I may face, I have this hope knowing that God is true to his promises, and that's what I'm going to cling on to. I'm not going to cling on to the circumstances. They're going to leave me empty and hopeless, but I'm going to cling to the promise that Jesus is Mine, And he said he will see me through. Let me just give you a closing. Let me give you five passages of scripture here. Promises of God that I I pray will give you hope and encouragement. And that this season will be different for you. That if you're in darkness right now, you realize that Christ wants to come right there with you and give you hope. Even in the midst of your darkness. Romans 8.37 and And 39 says this, No, despite all things, overwhelming victory is ours through who? Through Christ, who loves us. For I am convinced that nothing can separate us from from God's love, neither death nor life, angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky, above, or earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Can I get an amen there? Woo. Psalms 90, 91, 4 and 6. He will cover you with his feathers. He will shelter you with his wings. His faithful promises are your armor and your protection. Do not Be afraid of terrors of night, nor the arrows that fly in the day. Do not dread the disease that stalks in darkness, nor the disaster that strikes at midday. He will cover you. Psalms 9.9. The Lord is a shelter for the oppressed, a refuge in times of trouble. Isaiah 41.10. Don't be afraid, for I'm with you. Don't be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God, personal God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. And here are the words of Jesus, John 16, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me, Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart, be of good cheer, because I have overcome the world. These are the promises of God that give us hope. That's the message that changed the shepherds 2,000 years ago. I don't know where you are today. I don't know where you're putting your hope today, but let me encourage you this morning. Don't put your hope in something that's fleeting. Don't put your hope in something that is just here today and gone tomorrow. No matter what you're going through today, no matter what you're you're, you're struggling with today, no matter what kind of darkness you're in today, I want you to know that Jesus says, open your heart up to me and and don't don't try to deny it. Don't don't try to say, well, I'm not, I'm okay, I'm okay. And that, that's that's Jesus says, listen, when you open your heart up and just say, you know, I am struggling, I, I am going through some difficult times, I am doubting. What Jesus says to us, he says, I'll come right into that darkness and I'll walk with you and give you a hope that I will lead you through. That can only be found in a risen Savior, period. You're not going to find it anywhere else. Let the hope that you have in Christ be your anchor for your life. Lord, as we bow our heads and our hearts before you today, we need you. And I pray that you would just come into our circumstances. You would come into our darkness. And for those that just need your hope today, I pray, God, that you would do that for them. Listen, as as your heads are bowed and as we're just taking this moment before the Lord, how many of you would just say, Pastor, just pray for me. I need Christ to come into my situation. I just need him to come into my situation right now. And I want to open my heart up to allow Christ to come in and give me that hope. Anyone, just by the raised hands, say, Pastor, just pray for me. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Good, 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 good. God is faithful. He he sees you. He sees you right where you are. He hasn't forgotten about you. I know sometimes we feel that way, but he hasn't forgotten about you. So, Lord, for those that have responded, Lord, just come and meet them right where they are today. Thank you that anyone that calls upon your name shall be saved. So we thank you for that. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for the hope that you give us. So we're just leaning on you. We're clinging to you, Jesus. We thank you that you're our ultimate hope today. And I just pray as we just come before you today and as we take communion, that we recognize what you did for us upon that cross, that you took all our sin, all our fears, and you died to them. And through your perfect life, you overcame them through the cross. And so you tell tell us, Jesus, anytime we do this, we do this in remembrance of you. And also, Lord, we're looking forward to being united with you. That for those that have put their hope and trust in you, we overcome this world. So God, give us that hope today as we just trust you and we thank you. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. As the ushers serve you today, communion. We'll take communion at the end. Let me just say this communion is open to all of you who have just are followers of Jesus. By all means, feel free to take communion. We'll do it at the end, and we'll partake as a family. So just worship with the worship team as the ushers serve you today. God bless you as they serve you.